Well, we are going to continue our series in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're uh, new with us here this morning, we've been journeying through the book of 1 Samuel. This is our third week in 1 Samuel. We are going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to talk about learning to hear from God. Learning to hear from God. And so, before we dig into the text, I just want to ask you this morning, when was the last time... You heard clearly from God and you were convinced that God was speaking to you, that God was speaking into your life, giving some kind of direction, giving some kind of affirmation, giving some kind of warning, encouragement, hope. Okay. One of the very first things we learn about in scripture about God is that he is a God who speaks. He is a God who speaks. He is the living God. He created the world with his powerful words. All right? And all throughout the Bible, we see that God speaks. In the book of 1 Samuel, we've already learned that God hears the prayers of his people. Right? God heard Hannah's prayer. And God answered and gave Hannah a child, and she named him Samuel, which means heard of God, right? Heard of God. And so we, we've learned this, these truths about God, that he's a God who hears our prayers. He's a God who speaks, all right? And so this morning we're going to look at the story of 1 Samuel as a young, young boy. He hears the voice of God. And he speaks what God has shared. Let me, let me pray and we'll, we'll dig in together. Father, as we open up the scripture, would you speak to us? Would you let the weighty words of scripture be impressed upon our hearts and our lives? And would you sanctify us by the truth of scripture? Would you wash us with your words? Would you dispel lies that we believe fears that we have given way to and would you set us free to live in intimate communion with you because your son has come and brought rescue to our lives and brought reconciliation between us and you and so lord bring Revival to each of our relationship with, with you, awakening. Um, any, any who feel stagnant or distant from you, God, I ask that you would graciously draw your people into yourself. May we hear your voice and respond with faith and obedience. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter starting in verse 1. And now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And, And there was no frequent vision. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight began to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called to Samuel and he said, Here am I. And he ran to Eli 
and said, Here am I, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and, and lie down, lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Samuel did not know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here am I, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord said, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, and I will declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here am I. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more so also, if you hide anything from me, as of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the word, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Alright, so here's our big idea this morning. God speaks and his words are true and authoritative. We must listen to, accept, and obey His words and courageously share them with others. God speaks. He's spoken in the past and He speaks today. And in this time, in the time of the judges, there was a lot of wickedness and ungodliness and everyone was doing what seemed right in their own eyes. And so there was a spread of ungodliness and wickedness, and there seemed to be a lack of hearing from God. According to 1 Samuel chapter 3, you might say there was a spiritual famine in the land. There was a problem. There was no widespread revelation. There was the word of the Lord was rare in those days. 
and the spiritual leaders who were called to speak the words of God and instruct the people in knowing God and worshiping God and following God were corrupt leaders who were misrepresenting God. Eli and his sons. I said last week that they they lived, the sons of Eli, they functioned as as. Functional atheists. They lived as functional atheists, as if God doesn't see, as if God doesn't hear, as if God doesn't speak. And they did some very wicked things. And God saw that. And He sent this obscure, this just man of God, as we looked at in chapter 2, to bring a harsh word to Eli. Alright? And so here, uh, later on, we have Samuel being raised up as a prophet, being called by God to to answer this problem, this dilemma that Israel was experiencing. There There was a lack of the word of God going out to the people. God wants his people to know him. And to know God, we must hear him. And we must speak to him. This is basic for any relationship. We must listen And we must speak. But the problem here is stated in verse 1 of chapter 3 that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And one must ask, why was it rare? Why was God not speaking? Why why were people not hearing from God? And why was there no frequent vision in that day? Now, one, one answer may clearly just simply be that Those who were designed to represent God were misrepresenting Him. They weren't faithfully bringing His Word to the people. They had the law of Moses and Joshua. They could have and should have been faithfully teaching God's words, making clear God's will and God's way to the people. But they were modeling corrupt living for the people. And so... For whatever reason, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. God had given his people the law. I love in, in, in the book of Nehemiah, after the people hadn't, hadn't really known the words of God uh, intimately for a while, and they heard the words, they, they wept. They wept. There was this revival, this awakening, and it just it clicked, and they realized, gosh, we've been missing it here. We've been missing God and missing His will for our lives. They responded with this profound weeping in response to God. So here we see there's a famine in the land. There was a lack of godly leadership in the land. And we see that the answer to this famine in the land was for God to raise up a Samuel. Eugene Peterson says that the barrenness of the spiritual life at Shiloh parallels with the barrenness of Hannah's womb. In chapter 1, and Samuel is God's response to both. See, the story of 1 Samuel starts off with this woman, Hannah. This what we call the micro-salvation. 
That God was God heard and responded and did something great in her life and answered her prayer and gave her a son. She couldn't have children. She was being taunted by her husband's other wife and 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 she was in distress and troubled in spirit and life was hard and bitter for her and God heard her cry, answered her prayer, gave her a son. And also he gave he raised up a Samuel who would hear and speak the words of God to Israel so that God would be accurately known, that his word would spread and and that revelation. We need the words of God for life to see. We don't know where we're at and where we're going if we don't have God's words in our lives. They're like a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. I feel sorry for anybody who try to live, tries to live their life without the words of God. It's a sad state to live in. Without a relationship with God, we, we, we do damage to our soul when we try to live life without knowing God and hearing from Him. And this was the state. A couple hundred years later, the prophet Amos said, uh, speaking of this spiritual famine, he describes, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but the hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro and seek the Lord, seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. You see, a lack of the, the word of God is an indication of judgment. It points to judgment. Now, this was 200 years later that the prophet Amos was, was declaring these things, but he highlights that, that this is an indication of judgment. And there's no, there's no word of the Lord. And, and God brought judgment to Eli's house, and it was a severe judgment. I mean, imagine if the very first time you hear from God, it's a word, a heavy word like that for somebody else. All right. Now, God was calling Samuel to be a prophet. He had some big shoes to fill. Right. There, there was Moses. God throughout the Bible. We see these calls and responses to God, these calls to, to the prophetic office in the Old Testament. We see the call of Moses and he encounters God uh, in, in the wilderness at the burning bush. And God speaks to him through this bush. And God has an assignment for him. And Moses responds. He hears and he responds to God's word. We, hear, we see Samuel's call here in 1 Samuel 3. God's answering this, this dilemma, this problem that, that the Israelites have. By raising up a Samuel who will hear his words and speak his words. We see in Jeremiah 1, God called Jeremiah a young person. And I love that we got a couple of young people who hear the call of God. And, and are called into this, this weighty role of a prophet in the Old Testament. Isaiah, we hear, uh, we, we, we see of, of his call in Isaiah chapter 6. Ezekiel. Jonah was called by God. Of course, we, we don't want to respond like Jonah did when we hear from God and run the other way. We learn from the book of Jonah that playing hiding, trying to win hide and seek with God doesn't work. And so we see the call of the prophets. And this was a weighty responsibility that, that the prophets were called into in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 18 
Moses writes about it and he says, whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I will require it of of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded to him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. And so we see here in the law of Moses, we see that there is a a responsibility for the people of God to hear the words spoken by the prophet coming from God through the prophets. But then we also see the weighty responsibility of the prophet himself. He's not to speak presumptuously from himself and just share his opinions or what he wants to say. Because God will hold him accountable. Those who teach the word of God, James 3.1 tells us, teachers are held to a higher, stricter judgment. There's a greater accountability. And we see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. And this was pretty, pretty weighty here. And it says about Samuel that the Lord didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. That means they came to pass when God spoke through Samuel. It was a word from God and it proved to be a word from God. Came to pass. Moses says if, it, if they don't, if a prophet speaks and it doesn't come to pass, then you don't need to be afraid of him. You don't need to regard him as a legitimate prophet. This is how you discern from between the true and the false. And so here's my first point this morning. Simply this. God speaks and his words are true and authoritative. God speaks and his words are true and authoritative. That's one of the first things we learn about God. He speaks. God said, let there be light. His words are powerful. His words are true And his words are authoritative. He is God. And so when he says something, we are not to take his words lightly. Right? We are to tune our ears to what our Heavenly Father has said. Parents, we know that we don't like it when we're speaking to our children and they are turning their ears away from our voice. Children are to obey their parents and honor their parents, right? That's how how God has designed the family to function in a healthy way. And we as the children of God, we are to incline our ears to hear from the Father and obey His voice. What He says is true. What He says is right. What He says is authoritative. And what He says to us is a gift. See, it's a gift. The words of God given to us are a gift. Okay? The fact that God chooses to reveal himself to us and communicate to us so that we can know him personally, intimately, and accurately, that's a gift from God. 
that he wants all his people to enjoy. And so Samuel was being called into this prophetic office, called into this role of hearing from God and speaking the word of God as, as a prophet in the Old Testament. Okay? The, the second thing I want us to, to, to see here is that we must listen to, accept, and obey God's word. Okay? Samuel positioned himself to hear from God. Okay? He was already ministering to the Lord. He was already ministering to the Lord. Okay? He was doing what he knew to do. He was practicing what he knew that he must do. Right? Although, although it says in chapter 3 that he didn't yet know the Lord. Right? So, so God was bringing him into, by grace, graciously revealing himself to him and, re, and, and speaking the word of Lord to, to, to Samuel. I, I think it's interesting to note that God says his name twice. Samuel, Samuel. I've heard it said that, that we see that with several men in the Bible because men have to be told things twice. <laughs> Samuel, Samuel, Moses, Moses. And so we must listen to accept and obey God's word. That's what Samuel did. He was learning to, to hear the voice of God. And he was already doing what he was called to do, ministering to the Lord under Eli, his foster dad, who was taking care of him. And he heard a weighty word from the Lord to share with Eli. And Eli presses him. To communicate what that word is. And he didn't hold back. He shared what that word is. Um, so there's a number of ways that God speaks to his people. He speaks to us. Um, that the Bible highlights. The, the first one is that he speaks to us through creation. Creation itself bears witness of the invisible attributes of God. Uh, Romans 1.19 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because he has shown it to them. For the invisible attributes, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. So God speaks through creation. Psalm 19.1 says that the heavens or the skies declare the glory of God. He reveals himself through creation. Theologians call this um, general revelation. This is general revelation that all of humanity gets to experience about God. We see his beauty and his power and his wisdom in creation, God also speaks to us through Scripture. Aren't you glad that we have the Bible, the authoritative Word of God? 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
God's given us His Scripture to hear from Him. He has spoken through His Word, and His Word has been contained in a book, 66 books in one, for us to read and to hear what God has to say. This is a gift to us. May we not neglect reading our Bibles because He has spoken to us through the prophets and through the apostles. And we have the writings here in the Scripture. The the Word of God is here for us to correct us, to instruct us, to teach us how to live so that we might be equipped for every good work. God speaks through creation. God speaks through Scripture. Um, Listen to what Eugene Peterson says about this. He says, The primary organ for receiving God's revelation is not the eye that sees, but the ear that hears. Which means that all of our reading of Scripture must develop into a hearing of the Word of God. F.B. Meyer says that the written Word is the wire along which the voice of God will certainly come to you if the heart is hushed and the attention is fixed. So God speaks to us through the Scripture. We have a sure, reliable Word that we can depend upon in, in the Scripture. An, um, an objective word, a word that is true and authoritative, a word by which we can test all other words or messages that we get from God. We're told in Scripture not to despise prophecies, all right, or quench the Spirit, but test all things. And the Scripture helps us to test whether a word that somebody else has or that we have is from God or not. Okay? God's not going to con- contradict himself. And then we see we see the the greater prophet, the greater Samuel, the the greater Moses that God promised that he would would raise up in these last days. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1. It says long ago at many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Okay? So we receive the Old Testament, the prophets, and the writings of the Old Testament as inspired by God. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature and upholds the universe By the word of his power. God has given us a clear revelation of who he is. And what he wants for our lives. Through his son Jesus. Jesus is the greater intercessor. Right? We see that that Samuel was an intercessor. He interceded. He spoke on behalf of the Lord. He instructed in the way of the Lord Jesus is our intercessor, according to Hebrews chapter 25. Jesus is our sacrifice, our atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God is speaking through His Son. He has spoken and is speaking through His Son. God also speaks to us through His Spirit. Jesus said that He would leave... 
and that he would send the Holy Spirit to his followers. In John chapter 16, he told his followers, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You cannot bear them now. The disciple, he had to, he had to give the disciples what they could receive at the time. And, and Jesus was in tune with what they could bear and what they couldn't bear. And he says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but what he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So here's here's some good news, saints. God has given us not only the scripture, but he's given us his spirit to speak to us, to instruct us in the truth. Every Christian has the Spirit of God. Otherwise, you're not a Christian unless you have the Spirit of God, unless you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you've turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ, and and God gives you His Spirit upon conversion. You become a child of God. And so you and I have the capacity to hear from God, not only through Scripture, but directly from His Spirit. Romans 8 says... That the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Alright? He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's where assurance of salvation comes from. Alright? When the Spirit of God lives inside of us and He bears witness and He tells us. A lot of people can tell us, yeah, you're good. You're going to heaven, man. He said the prayer. Assurance of salvation. And point to a scripture. Now scripture is objective truth. But the spirit who lives inside of us, he bears witness with our spirit. He confirms what really is true. And the spirit and the scripture work together. And we all have the spirit. That's why Paul instructs the church to have this posture of submission to one another in reverence for Christ. Because we have the spirit. God speaks through His Holy Spirit. We see this in the book of Acts. And there's no indication in the New Testament that God has ceased to speak to His people through His Holy Spirit. So we have the Spirit, we have the Scripture. God speaks to us through creation. And God speaks to us through the church, through the saints. We're told in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We are to teach and admonish one another with what God has said. God wants to use you. God wants to speak to you through his word, by his spirit, and he wants to speak through you. Ephesians 4 tells us that when the church does that, when the church speaks the truth and love to one another, it causes growth to occur in the body of Christ. We're to speak the truth and love to one another. Now, we can all, we can take the scripture, the truth of scripture, and and misapply the scripture and speak the truth unlovingly. The Pharisees used the scripture to justify 
their ungodly actions, their unbiblical actions. And they use Scripture. They point to Scripture. This is why we do this. Right? And it's twisted. It's perverted. God forbid that we should follow, follow uh, their, their, their uh, example. But, this, but the saints, we, are, we have the Spirit and we should be led by the Spirit. So when we hear from God, it should line up with the Scripture and it should line up with the fruits of the Spirit, with the fruit of the Spirit. Is it loving? Not only is it true, but is it loving and kind and gracious? Are we being patient? The way that we communicate is important. And so we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, saints. And then also we see that God speaks through circumstances. Okay, this is more subjective. Uh, F.B. Meyer says in his books, The Secret of Guidance. Typo there, The Secret of Guidance. It's an important typo not to miss. The circumstances of our daily life to us are an infallible indication of God's will. When they concur with the inward promptings of the Spirit... And with the word of God, so long as they are stationary, wait. When, when, when you must act, they will open. And the way will be, will be made known through oceans and rivers and waste and rock. He says, he goes on, he says, God's impressions within and his word without are always corroborated. <laughs> That's not a word I use every day. Corroborated by his providence around, and we should quietly wait until these focus into one point. So he talks about the impressions within. That's the spirit who speaks internally. His word, that's the scripture, right? And then circumstances around. God uses circumstances. If, if you keep getting speeding tickets, like it's the third time you get a speeding ticket in one week... God might be saying to you, slow down. Okay? God might have a message for you. And you don't need a prophet to tell you that. Okay? There, there's common sense. God does speak through wisdom and common sense as well. And the book of Proverbs describes wisdom as, as this woman, this lady, this voice uh, calling us to, to heed the wisdom so that we can uh, live a life, a good life rather than a painful life that causes destruction and damage. And so God speaks. God speaks through creation. God speaks through Scripture. God speaks through His Son. God speaks through His Spirit. God speaks through His church. God speaks through circumstances. We serve a God who speaks. And His words are a gift to us, but also the fact that when He does speak to us, we are held accountable. We are responsible to respond to what he has spoken. Okay? And so, if you haven't heard God in a while, this is what I encourage folks to do. Is, is I'll ask, when was the last time you've heard from God? And go back to that. Did you respond like God no. directed you to? Okay? So, my kids often, um, maybe after dinner or so, um, they'll ask me, Dad, can we do, can we watch this? Can we watch, can we watch something? Or can we get dessert? And I'll go back, did you, I'll, I'll ask them, did you finish your dinner? Okay? Okay, if you finished your dinner, yes, we can have dessert, right? 
Go back to that last thing I instructed you to do, but they want to oftentimes move on to that next fun thing rather than go back and obey the last thing. Did, oh, you want to go to the park? Did you clean your room like I asked you to clean your room? Uh, no. Oh, we'll go clean your room. Then we can go to the park. Right? And I think a lot of times we're wanting to move on to the next thing that God has for us. We're like, God, give me this new word. Direct my life. Give me something good and fun that I can knew that I can hear from you about. And God's pointing us back to that last very plain, simple thing that we need to obey him in. Like love your neighbor. Or 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 pray. Did you pray? You know? Or just something very simple. That's, I've noticed that it's not those deep and profound things in the Christian life that that trip me up the most, it's, it's oftentimes those very basic, simple things that I know that I'm supposed to do that I have the hardest time with, right? And God points us back to, God's not going to contradict what he has said in his word. And if we want to hear God more frequently and more clearly, then we need to immerse ourselves in the scripture because he, spe- he has spoken and he speaks through scripture, right? There's a lot of things very clear, when somebody comes to me and they, they tell me that God told them to do this or that, and it's clearly against Scripture, I'm going to challenge them with what Scripture says. Or, if I'm feeling like I should do this or that, and it seems to contradict Scripture, then I'm going to allow the Scripture to correct me. And this is how we should live our lives. We should filter, filter everything through what God has said. And let me let me also just say this. I think we should be cautious about saying, thus saith the Lord all the time. There, there are Christians I know that, that like to say, God told me this. God said this. I think it would be better if we said, it seems to me that I should do this. Or I think God might be speaking to me about this or that. And have more of a posture of submission to the church and to scripture because we can miss it. I don't know about you, but there's been times that I thought I heard from God and I was way off in left field. And the scripture corrected me. The spirit corrected me. The church corrected me. And reminded me of some real important things that needed to be focused on in my life that I was maybe neglecting. Right? What's the, what's the pressing issue? What's the big thing that God's speaking to you about? And so let us be weary of, of those who uh, are always saying, thus saith the Lord. We don't want to use misuse God's name and misuse his words and say, God told me. We should have this posture of humility when, it, when we're getting these, these impressions. And, you know, another way, again, since God speaks through the church, when, when we have big life decisions to make, we should seek godly counsel from others in the church. I mean, first we should pray about it. I mean, how many times do we get in trouble when we, we run into situations and make decisions and, and we're, we're off into it, we're just, we're going for it, and, and we think, did, did I even stop to pray about it? That happened to me recently when I received some free tickets to the Mavericks game for me and my son. It was right after... This basketball season, and I got super, I had just a couple hours to get there, and I thought, you know, I got to help coach my son's basketball 
um, season, and, and it, was a, it was a sweet time. We had a great time, and we just finished the season. A few days before, we had the celebration, and then our very first Mavericks game, we, somebody calls out of, out of nowhere and says, hey, we got these Mavericks tickets. And I'm like, it must be the Lord. Like, this is the timing, circumstances, this is the Lord. And so that was the day last week, or the week before, when we had uh, tornado weather coming through. Tornado warnings. All right, maybe that's why those tickets were, were passed on to me. <laughs> no, I'm, like, I'm not going there. Let's pass them on. No, no, um, they were graciously passed on. And and so we we were we we were headed to um, to the ball game, and we ate dinner real quick, and we rushed. And I turned on in the eye of the storm just to kind of encourage my son. You know, like, come on, we're gonna make it here. We're gonna press through this. We're gonna get there before the tornadoes come. You remain in control. In the middle of the war, Ooh, stepping on it, and then and then the sirens start going off. Woo-hoo, and I can hear them, all right. And then on my phone, my phone, well, my phone says take shelter now, like take cover now, like okay. And then we're on thirty, and then it starts getting congested, and it's like, oh man, I don't want to be stuck here and die all because I didn't, I wasn't prayerful about receiving some Mavericks tickets. No, I did pray. I did pray. I did. I did. I did go. I did say God. You know, I did ask Him for some guidance. But also, I responded in that moment. Uh, we jumped off the highway and we went and and, and took shelter at my uh, sister-in-law's house. And I just thought, you know, this is probably the wise thing to do. Heed the warning. There's a warning coming through my phone. There's sirens. Uh, I don't want to be stuck on the highway right now. So we went and took shelter and. God was gracious and kind to us to allow us to make it to the second half of the game. And there were some some records that were uh, set there between uh, Kyrie and Luca. It was a great time. Anyways, I say all that to say, let us pray before we take action. Like, instead of just going straight into something because it's new, it's fun, it's exciting... You know, we see a number of circumstances in the Bible, a number of people in the Bible who got in trouble by getting ahead of God, not hearing from God, not, not considering what does God think about this? I mean, that's a problem. If, 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 if how we make decisions is the, the first question is, what do I want to do? If that's our first line of process and making big decisions, that's a big problem that will, that will lead to big trouble. As Christians, the first thing we should be asking, what does God want? What does God say? All right, now, I, I, don't, I don't think we need to like be like praying in the morning, God, should I wear my gray socks or my black socks today? All right, just, just put some socks on, all right? You know, just put some socks on and, 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 and walk and, and obey God, right? Um, but we should be prayerful. We should hear from God. So let, let's just look at a couple barriers from hearing from God. The first one is pride. Pride keeps us from hearing from God. We think we know better. We think we have a better plan. We've got it all planned out. This is what I'm going to do. And then we tell others about it. This is what I'm going to do for the next year or two. And, and James, the, 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 the wisdom and the truth and authority of Scripture says, James says, you boast? You boast about your plans? And, and you tell others about your plans? And all such boasting is evil. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. What's your life? Your life is a vapor. You don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. 
Right? And so we should have this humility and this dependence upon God, recognizing that we're not sovereign over our lives. He is. And we are to live with this surrendered will and abandon to His will for our lives. And life will go much better for us. And we might, we, we will hear God more clearly. And our plans, it'll keep us from making plans in vain. So pride, the, uh, Psalm 10, 4 says that the, the wicked and their proud countenance does not seek God. The wicked and the pride of their countenance does not seek God. God forbid that that should be any of us. Or as we see uh, uh, Saul later on in the book of Samuel, he just does what he thinks he should do. doesn't hear from God. We learn in the book of 1 Samuel to obey is better than sacrifice. Saul had to learn that the hard way. Busyness. I think this maybe resonates with, with many of us. We're so busy and distracted generally in culture. We have so many messages just bombarding us. Our attention span is dumbed down. We have a hard time focusing because of the busyness and the distractions of our life. And it's hard to hear from God because there's a lot of other voices Screaming around us, speaking around us. And we need to get quiet before God. And we need to let His words carry more weight than all the other voices, all the other opinions, all the other thoughts, all the other articles, all the other news reports. What does God say? Rather than what does culture say, or what does family say, or what, what does your heart say? What does God say? Our hearts are busy, our hearts are distracted. Hard hearts. That's another reason. That's another barrier from hearing from God. Uh, we're told in Hebrews chapter three, it's quoting uh, uh, Psalm ninety-five. Today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your heart. When when Jesus was uh, talking to his disciples, their their inability to understand and grasp what was being said uh, was attributed to hardness of heart. Jesus was patient with these guys, but these guys were knuckleheads, and it took them a long time to learn some lessons. And he was patient with them. So hard-heartedness, sin. Sin is a barrier from hearing from God. Sin is real, and, and we must confess our sin, acknowledge our sin. But you might, you might argue, as you read 1 Samuel 2 and 3, you might argue that it was the sin of Eli and his sons that, that kept him and, and the people of God from hearing from God. His, you know, it speaks about Eli as his, um, his eyes were growing dim, right? He was having things were, you know, it, it speaks about the, kind of that natural sense, but also that was true in the spiritual Right? Like there was, there was, a, anyways. And then, so sin, unbelief, misinformation, or deception. These are all barriers that keep us from hearing from God. And Jesus came to take care of these barriers. To tear them down. To show us what God is like. The Word became flesh. And he had a message to share with you and me. And in Jesus, we see who God is. We see what God's will is for our life. We see what we're here for. We see and know who we are and where we're going through our relationship with Jesus Christ. We get to know God intimately and accurately because Christ has come to our rescue. And he's changed our hard hearts. 
He's died for our sins. He's made clear to us who God is and what God says. And so let's close in a couple points here of application. The first one is immerse yourself in Scripture daily and expect to hear from God through it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Immerse yourself daily in the Scripture. If we're going to hear from God, we need, if we're going to train ourselves to hear from God or be trained by God, let the Scripture train you and direct you. Right? So it may be spiritual famine. If, if you experience personal spiritual famine, it's not because there's not food available for you. There is a feast set before you in the Scriptures. You can feast, and man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Sometimes my kids are hungry in the evening, and we, my wife cooks an excellent meal. It happened this week. She cooked an excellent meal. And I hear the words, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Did you eat your dinner? Like, there was a, a wonderful meal set before you, like, I was hungry too. I wanted some more, right? But it just reminds me, that it reminded me of how sometimes it's not that there's not food available for us to feast on. Sometimes it's our appetites. We've spoiled our appetites. Or we haven't, we haven't directed our hunger to God in His Word and allowed ourselves to feast on Him on what truly satisfies. My kids... We'll eat snacks, chips, and candy, and sodas, and spoil their appetite. And, and then they're not hungry for the good stuff. And so the scripture provides for us a feast of spiritual nourishment where we can hear from God. And next, quiet yourself before God and give Him your undivided attention, expecting Him to speak. Sometimes, we oftentimes... We may approach the Bible in our time with the Lord not expecting to hear from God. It's just, I'm going to do my quiet time. Write down, journal, mark some things, get a little encouragement. Like when we approach God in the scriptures and we come before Him, let's come with this expectation that we're meeting with the living God and He speaks and He's speaking today to us. He has something to say to us. And so let's not walk away Hungry. Oh, I'm hungry. I didn't get anything to eat. Like, feast. Feast on, on what's set before you. He's giving you good food, nourishment set before you. And then we get irritated. We get hangry. Our, holes are, our souls are not satisfied. and There's not joy overflowing and strength to do God's will because we haven't feasted on the, the feast that's set before us of the Word of God. His Word is powerful. It's life-giving. And so we, we have to, to feast, we have to quiet ourselves before God and give Him our attention. He wants to speak. Psalm 81 says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. How quickly I would subdue their enemies for them. They would just listen to me. Last two things here. Obey the clear promptings that God does give you. When God does put somebody on your heart to, to love, to serve, to help, when God does make it clear you need to take some action in a particular area, you need to be responsible in a particular area, 
Take action. And expect that He'll continue to give you more responsibility as you're faithful with what He set before you. He'll continue to speak and give you more instructions and more direction as you, you act upon what you already know to do. Love Jesus' words in John 14, 21. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him, manifest myself to him. So if you want a better revelation or a clear revelation of God or a fresh glimpse of who he is, obey what you know. If you haven't heard from him in a while, go back to what was the last thing he spoke to you about? Have you responded to that? And then lastly, be courageous to share God's word with others. Just like Samuel, he heard from God and he courageously shared what the, the heavy word of the Lord was to Eli in his house. Not all the words that we hear from God are going to be uh, sweet and uplifting. Right? There are going to be some, some words that cut Words that hurt, words that are challenging for us to get out and communicate to anybody else when we feel like we're supposed to. I've seen my sweet wife do this, and it, I'm, I'm encouraged by it because she's very gracious and very gentle and kind, but there have been times where the Spirit just, just you know, stirs her heart to speak. And, and to check, of course, that, that works for me. Like, she's, she does that with me. She practices that muscle with me. She challenges me. All right, I, I should have put uh, spouses in there. One of the ways that God speaks through husbands and wives, right? <laughs> through children, right? Through those closest to us. And so we're to be courageous and share God's word with each other. Speak the truth in love so that we can grow up into maturity in the Christ-likeness. Amen? If you guys would bow with me. It's only uh, 11 o'clock, 11.05. So I, I got one more hour, so part two on hear, hearing from God is coming. Actually, we're going to wait for an hour, and, and you're going to hear from God. No, yeah, let's take just a moment to turn our hearts and turn our ears to God. He's alive. He's the living God. He hears. He speaks. Lord, we want to hear from you. We don't want to live our lives without your word. Without the truth of your word. Without the, the authoritative weight of your word that helps us make difficult decisions. To be courageous in doing what's right. The next right thing that you have for us. 